Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show which connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm from sunny California, living in Beijing, city of museums. Today with me is Bebe. Hey, hi, Jason. Hi, everybody. This is Bebe. And I'm like half blind from like doing research and reading them. <laughs> so, because we have such an important topic today. I'm all like excited and tense at the same time. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. How are you feeling? Yeah, I think it's a very uh, interesting topic. Uh, I haven't taken a government class since I was, I don't know, six in sixth grade. Not this kind anyway. In America, we have to learn about like oh. the separation of powers and what is like the Congress. So this is mm. a little bit similar. Um, what issues matter in the life of Chinese mm-hmm. citizens? In the West, we hear about paying with facial recognition, Alipay, WeChat, high-speed rail, food, Chinese New Year, and a lot of debate about the Chinese economy. All this information is warped Hmm. by the twin lenses of Hmm. our own Western social issues and the Western media's need for sensational ratings. This leaves us with a simple yet important question. What social issues matter to regular Chinese folks? To broach this question, let's start with a brief look at China's two sessions in 2022. Take a guess at the agenda in 2023. You know what it is, right? Every, like, March? No, I knew that it was some kind of governmental mm-hmm. meeting. and Some kind it. of? It's like the top <laughs> <laughs> political gathering in the country. But what we can talk about is actually the, the things that the deputies, representatives of the people, the messages they will carry mm-hmm. at the meeting for the people regarding how to mm. uh, improve people's lives, um, regarding the problems that mm. people have, you know, we need help with from the common citizens. So in, I guess in that area, mm. uh, we are actually familiar with the content. I did a little bit of research. So I want to talk a little bit about what Two Sessions is because sure. I figure, you know, I went to school for a long time and I hadn't really mm-hmm. learned much about this. I think a lot of our foreign friends will be curious to learn a little bit about what it is. Sure. So this year in 2023, it's going to be held on March 4th and 5th. And it is a meeting of two of China's most important bodies, the National People's Congress or NPC mm-hmm. and the CPPCC or the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference. And these two groups meet. <laughs> it's like a the, Yeah. These two mm-hmm. gr- groups meet. And I guess there's more than 2,000 members in each, from what I understand. And they have meeting after meeting and determine what are the goals for the year. So last year, Mm-hmm. Quite a few goals were set, mm. and uh, I have a, have a list of them fr- in front of me from Xinhua News Agency by China Daily, and uh, I was hoping we could go over a couple of them and see, you know, how well did we mm. do? Just get the sense of uh, what they actually talk about. Yeah. So the the National People's Congress that's basically uh, the highest, like that's basically the legislative branch, mm. and from my understanding, um, a lot of these uh, deputies from Mm -hmm. um, all over the country, right? They go to, they come to Beijing Mm -hmm. and they bring their suggestions um, or problems that need to be addressed Mm. uh, from the people. 
you know, just everyday people, what problems are they facing? What kind of uh, uh, laws and policies do we need you know, to help people solve these problems? So I guess in this way, it sounds pretty simple, huh? Yeah, I was at, <laughs> no, <laughs> actually, but I was talking to someone who knew a lot, a great deal, a lot more about it than me yesterday. Hmm. And she was talking about every kind of group of persons. So there are workers and actresses and plumbers and farmers and like every ethnicity and minority mm. and like from every province and city. So that's really interesting. It has so much representation. Some of the interesting things I think were interesting that were addressed last year were GDP growth and creation of jobs and CPI. So, well, it's been an issue, right? For you hear that a lot in the US too. Mm. Um, and also in China. Yeah. I mean, it's related to everyday mm. so, people's well being, right? How much we're paying for things. So, CPI, consumer price index. So, it measures, uh, you know, how prices are going up and down and stuff like that. Um, but this year, I think um, there are some other areas of focus. Um, for example, education and also how to take care of the elderly. That's becoming more and more of a social concern mm -hmm. because of the aging of the country. I think this year no not maybe that was a census conducted last year mm -hmm. i think that was the seventh census oh yeah um and he found out that older people like people uh aged above 60 um now comprise 18.7 percent of the population mm -hmm. and that's what like 0.2 billion something like that but so a lot of old people and it's, re it's really time that we start planning you know how to take care of all these old people mm -hmm. so that's going to be a focus point and then the on the other end is a uh, birth rate so you know that last year um china had the lowest birth rate on record mm -hmm. um and it was uh 6.77 births per 1000 people and that was down from 7.52 from 2021. So 6.77, that's the lowest on record. And that was like a alarm bell for a lot of people. So there's going to be um, concerns as to how to take care of. Well, you know, what's really interesting is I heard a lot of people trying to scaremonger in the West about China's birth rates. But I have a list of fertility rates in 2022. And the fertility rates mm. in China, one to two ch children per family, are um, mm. roughly the same as all of the European Union, Australia, Brazil, Canada, Mexico, the United States, uh, Japan, Mongolia, <laughs> Turkey. So a lot of people mm. are talking about, oh, China's a uh, demographic bomb, but... There's not really a demographic bomb in China. There's a global transition to having less children. It's not just China. Mm. A lot of people just cherry picked China as the data point and were like, oh, look at what's happening in China. Mm. But that's a global phenomenon, not just a Chinese phenomenon. In China, I mean, closer to us, our neighbors in Japan and in Korea, they have been facing this problem for a long time. It's like younger people just like mm. they, they just want to live their lives. You know, they don't want to have to deal with um, raising kids. And uh, we're seeing some of that trend here in China. And it gets a little scary because mm -hmm. there's so many, you know, elderly to take care of. Maybe, I don't know, in other places, they don't have mm -hmm. as, as many elderly to take care of. But, you know, for like, for example, for my generation, mm -hmm. people who were born in the 80s, and a lot of us are uh, from single mm -hmm. child families. So each of us have to be like, once we get married, mm -hmm. each couple has to be responsible for two sets of parents, you know? 
so it's um um a lot of pressure uh, at least for mm-hmm. people of mm-hmm. my generation um but in the future uh, they want to balance things out a little bit mm-hmm. so how to take care of the old and the young and how to in- encourage couples to have more kids these are some of the newer focal points also healthcare and transportation there's so many more cars um, and edu- education and also employment. And I think that's going to be a huge point, not just for China. But so these are some of the key points. I just want to say we okay. actually have a tape of some folks who uh, have their own suggestions. And we're going to play that for you now. Many college students learn contents in school that they never get to use after graduation. There are too many institutions in China. We need to offer more opportunities in technical and vocational education and develop more tech talents. I hope the two sessions will address this issue. My husband suffers from kidney failure and has been on dialysis for years. We have to hire a caregiver to look after him, but the monthly cost of nursing care takes up a large part of our living expenses. I think caregiver services should be included in the medical system, otherwise it would be a huge burden for us. I'm 82 years old. My monthly pension is around 8,000 yuan, and that's quite enough for me. When I first came to Beijing, there were lots of sandstorms, but it's never the case now. Air quality has improved dramatically, and I hope there will be more public spaces for the elderly, like city parks, so we can hang out and exercise. As a college counselor, I'm very concerned with the employment of the graduates. There are many problems relating to this topic, such as the decline in job demands or the lack of work experience for students. But since the economy has started to recover from the impact of the pandemic, I believe these problems can be solved. All right. Wow, that was very interesting. Yeah, this is a little bit related to um, education and also like nursery services. Um, I can get to some of the more details later. Here is what I have, Jason. This is a huge topic and there's so much that uh, we can cover when it comes to the two sessions. I have, number one, some of the examples of um, like suggestions by uh, deputies. Um, to the two sessions for this year, 2023. Um, Some main problems that people have concerning their, you know, well-being, livelihood. Mm. And uh, second set of information I have is, you know, about the local two sessions? Because the two sessions were... I only heard about it when you told me about it earlier today. Wow, cool. So, you know, when we talk about the two sessions, we talk about the one that convenes in Beijing Mm. in early March every year. Mm. But uh, prior to that, there are these local two sessions across China. So I have some examples, like um, some of the goals that different provinces have set for themselves. And, you know, they review what they did last year and they set goals for the next year. So that's another topic. On another level, this is at the city level. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, I think it was just earlier this month, the city of Foshan, they conducted the second show of online two sessions. So there will be these... um, Mm -hmm. 
rep- deputy representatives, and they are um, they, they are hosting these online live shows, and people can call in and report problems. It's like a hotline. Anyone, you know, it's like a hotline. Have you ever heard of it in America? They have something called a town hall. Have you heard of this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it sounds a lot like that. Yeah. So well, here they are um, live stream, mm. and they have um, experts, these re- deputies from specific like areas from specific fields. Like one would be from transportation, mm-hmm. another from um, like a hospital in the local area. And then mm-hmm. people can call them with their concerns. Like, oh, there's huge congestion in one part of the city. What can we do about it? Or, you know, my hospital have this problem. Uh, what can we do? And that's kind of mm-hmm. um, another example I have on the city level. So basically three layers. So Jason, mm-hmm. what are you interested in? Well, I still want to kind of talk about I still want to kind of t- cover the goals that were set last year. Oh, sure. Because I think that is telling about maybe what the kinds of things that the government looks at. Because I think, you know, the GDP and the CPI, things like that will probably still be on the agenda this year. Just hmm. there'll be different goals than the ones mm-hmm. that were set. So I was looking at this list mm-hmm. and just looking at the kinds of things. So steadily increase uh, volume and quality of imports and exports, uh, basic equilibrium in the balance of payments, hmm. further improvement in the environment, which, you know, we've both seen for many, many That's years, huge. the yeah. air quality the water quality has been improving dramatically Mm. so like i guess in 2015 a lot of people may know that beijing the air wasn't wonderful Mm. but now there's hardly a day where it's not a blue sky so right it's amazing how much you can do remarkable i think yeah, it, it is amazing. Mm. So these meetings that the government are having, they lead to real world action. Mm. As an American, I'm not trying to be too critical of America here, but we get the feeling in America that our Congress meets and then nothing much changes. So when I see the goals that have been laid out from last year's two sessions mm. and then I look around, I see a lot of the things that they had set out to achieve were achieved. Right. As you know, a foreigner in your country observing your country with alien eyes, I see it's remarkable the achievements that you guys set out for yourselves Mm. and then the ability to actually achieve a lot of the goals that you have set out. And it's really quite impressive. That's how confidence is built over time. Mm. According to uh, surveys, and this is not just surveys from China, um, I don't remember exactly where, people have really high confidence and trust of the central government. Mm-hmm. And that's not just like from out of the blue. It's because year after year, decade after decade, you know, we see that goals are set out and then they are met. And, you know, after years, you know that they're not joking. They want to do mm-hmm. good and they are doing, you know, um, they're showing results. So now, mm-hmm. you know, as a, um, I guess, a commoner or normal citizen, my feeling has been that you know what? They know what they're doing. Just take care, mostly, you know, our daily lives. And we will report to them what problems we have, you know, either through um, two sessions or more commonly, just, you know, voicing our needs and our opinions online, you know, when different topics uh, comes up. Mm-hmm. That's how we transmit message, you know, between the government and the people. So it, I guess it's a little bit different from mm-hmm. the way things are structured in the West, right? The Western understanding of... Um, their system of democracy, but we have our own ways of doing it here. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. You know, that's for another topic because there's a lot more details to that. Um, What I'm saying is this is how people become more confident 
um, about uh, Chinese governance. Mm -hmm. You know, they get things done, and we agree with what they set out. For example, environment, and also um, you know more, I guess, input into things like education and employment, mm -hmm. things like that. So these two sessions is a time when kind of uh, the country. You know, get together and focus on. So, what are the key points that we need to? What are the key targets? Not just numbers, but what problems people have and how can we solve them? Things like that. You're listening to the Bridge. Bebe, you are a regular Chinese person, as you just pointed out. What are the kinds of things? A regular Chinese? Person? Is that what I am to you? <laughs> yeah, oh, go sorry, ahead. Sorry, Bebe, you are an extraordinary civilian. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, as an extraordinary uh, citizen in China, what are the kinds of things when you look around in your daily life that you think need to be addressed? Okay, Jason. What Thank you for that opportunity. Bebe? Yes. Imagine myself <laughs> if I, you know, have the opportunity to become a deputy representative and I walk into the great hall of the people, what is the, the thing that's uh, on my mind, right? Mm. Number one thing on my mind is I will ask people to try to get rid of all the packaging. Oh, yeah. <laughs> First, start with mooncakes and then with everything else that we have mm, to buy. Mm. Seriously, I know it sounds like it's not a huge thing, right? It's yeah. like closely related to our daily lives. It's something we complain about, all the packaging, all the waste. But I think this is, um, it can be a great improvement to the environment if we can solve this problem. Mm -hmm. You know, why layers and layers of packaging, all the plastic that we have to think about how to get rid of, right? Mm -hmm. And garbage collection. I, I think it comes to recycling. Right. How can we uh, improve the efficiency of recycling mm -hmm. and also to stop a lot of the uh, waste? Uh, other things. Can we stop just wrapping things? Yeah. Layers after layers. That's just not this is not necessary. Things like that. I feel like I read somewhere sometime in the last year that China does have some kind of plastic ban coming into effect. So I think maybe they're already ahead well, of the curve. Well, I'll be looking forward to that. <laughs> I know that a lot already have been done in this regard, like when it comes to recycling and using biodegradable mm. material. But there's a lot more that can be done. Like mm. just a few days ago, I dug out uh, what, yeah. four boxes of mooncakes because they're so like when the mooncake festival, mm. midterm festival comes around everybody gives these out as as gifts and these are they they have mm. high sugar yeah. and oil content we can't consume them like all at once and then they become waste so that's one thing it, it's a minor thing compared to all the other you know great projects people talk about but if i had the chance to go there i would talk about this i was asking around uh in the, my workplace in the office of what people thought about this topic too mm -hmm. and a lot of them mentioned education mm. so i was wondering if you would tell us what grade is your daughter in? Uh, third and grade. Are there educational issues that are on your mind that you would you would see that there are alternative ways that things could be handled? Or do you, are you happy with the way the system is? That's a difficult one because I think that um, it's not supposed to be an easy issue. Mm -hmm. And you look at, I've been to school in the West, like in, in the US, and there are problems oh, there, yeah. right? It's a different set of problems. Yeah. And then you look at schools in China and there are problems more specific to, uh, to China. Mm -hmm. Now, I 
I don't think there is like a perfect way of um, raising kids. Like we we haven't found it, and it becomes rather it can get pretty stressful. And the hardest time is when you have to you know discipline your kids into just doing the homework. It sounds like such a simple thing, right?、Mm. I mean, when I was a kid, I would just I, I remember I would just come home and do what I had to do. But nowadays, like kids have、mm. so many more choices. They have games they can they can play, right? They can、uh, watch TV and all the other wonderful things. So maybe for them, it's just harder to just simply do your homework. That's all we are asking. We complain about how hard it is to raise kids, but I also know that that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, raising human beings has never been easy.、Um, but there are、mm. ways that can make it easier for parents. Because I think from the national perspective, they want it to become easier for parents to raise kids, so people are willing to have more. And now they're just not shooting for a second kid. They're they're talking about like having three kids per family. So that's a lot. Baby,、hey, you're gonna have three kids? No, no, no. Like I mean, like that's like their goal now. A few years back, that they they were aiming for、yeah. asking, encouraging people to have、um, you know second child in the city because in in rural areas most people have、mm. always had at least two kids. You know, even under the one child policy. Well,、yeah. isn't it true that the minor most of the minorities, if not all of them, are allowed to have as many children as they want, or at least more children? Yeah, yeah. Their their policies are different from like people like the high. Ethnic group, which is the largest, like over ninety percent, and also people living in cities.、Mm-hmm. Um, so, like in the West, you've heard of the、mm-hmm. one-child policy, right? But it's not just like for everybody. Because、sure. when you,、yeah. when people think of these policies in China, they think it's just like just one cut-off point. It's not, and it, things differ from you know different provinces,、uh, different cities, and according to different families.、Um, so it, it's not like as strict as people think. But Anyhow, so when it comes to education, there are a lot of,、um, I guess, people think、uh, resources are limited. How to divide those resources、uh, for so many, for educating so many young kids, and also there's been policy changes when it comes to, I guess, thinking how to connect the like graduates from high schools and middle schools and colleges. To、mm-hmm. employment, like how how do you create employment for all these people?、Mm-hmm. So I mean, it gets a little complicated. These are very similar to issues in the United States, where a、mm-hmm. lot of people are advocating for different points of view. Right, and some of those points of view include, you know, like spending sending less. People to university and more、mm. people to what they call junior colleges or vocational, vocational school. schools. schools.、Right. Yes, they can learn a trade,、mm. and then they they can be part of the、uh, economy in a more direct way than someone with no offense to people at home, like master's degrees in、uh, history or myself. So,、mm. <laughs> like maybe there are more useful ways of educating the the youth and the young people, young men and women, in the United States.、Right. And so, I think this is an issue that all countries deal with. Yeah. I mean, education,、uh, employment—that has th- these have always been hot topics, and I don't think they will ever be completely solved. It's just、uh, they'll have to be tweaked according to what things are like. Well, you know what's、yeah. really interesting is、uh, what I think is interesting. If if I were going to be an ex- extraordinary citizen like you, baby, <laughs> I would also be interested in the transition to green energy because I know、mm. that a、uh, China typically—we've talked about this—China typically exceeds its own goals for transitioning. To green energy, has for at least the last ten or twenty、mm. years, and that it has set this goal for carbon by twenty thirty.、Mm. And my hope is that China can reach peak carbon by 
2028 or 2029, because that could make a significant impact Mm. on everyone's life. And I think that China's already going to do that. So I think that would be my own uh, two cents. If you were to walk into the Great Hall of the People and voice your (laughs) suggestion. You pointed out that we don't have to walk into the Great Hall of the People. Right. We can call into one of these local two sessions Mm -hmm. or there's a phone number, isn't there? Like one, two, three, something, something. Oh, that's for Beijing City. And you can give suggestions on the phone. And and it works because because we tried it and it actually works. Our problem in the neighborhood were solved. This tree is hanging over the bus stop (laughs) and it's inconvenient. (laughs) Right. Actually, somebody actually answers the phone and respond to you. Yeah. Mm. But anyhow, um, when it comes to this online hotline, when it comes to two two sessions, I'll give you this example I found. I was talking about this uh, city in Foshan. I think it's in southern China, Guangdong province. So this year, Mm -hmm. in their second meeting of this online broadcast, the some of the problems that people called in to raise first concerned transportation. So in certain parts of the city, it gets really congested. And also it's hard to find park parking slot. Hmm. And people in the West probably don't have as much. um, It's not as much of a problem unless you're in, like, say, New York City, right? These huge cities. Oh, if you're in San Francisco, parking is a nightmare. Oh, (laughs) I know. I think half of the reason why I I don't like driving and I don't, you know, drive here in Beijing is that mm. um, driving is one thing, parking is another. And in like central Beijing, it can get pretty expensive too. And it's embarrassing, you know, when you are struggling to, to park while like 10 other cars mm. are just watching you. The psychological pressure is just <laughs> way too great. So, for example, in this live show, um, the citizens, local citizens um, raised the problem that they're at certain central spots in the city, um, they can never find parking spot. So there is this mm-hmm. uh, expert from, I think, the transportation department of the local city. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, receive the message and they will think of ways to solve the problem. For example, yeah. well, they also advocate that pe- more people need to take public transportation. Mm-hmm. Right? They have the metro and they can have like car sharing or, or you, what do you call it? Car pulling yeah. right? or buses. And then they'll, you know, think of ways to, I guess, change the route or something like that Mm -hmm. so doesn't mean that you'll get the answer right away like but your problem has been reported and it has been heard and people know that this one thing we need to pay attention to yeah officials are reflecting on possible solutions right you have to let them know what problem you have right imagine let's say if you were the mayor Right. Or I don't know, like the governor or something. You don't have the time to be with the people every day, you know, to find out. Oh, my gosh. Um, Beijing is what, 21, 22 million people. It's more like it's like being the president of a small country. Yeah. Like <laughs> Governor Jason walks over to this park and asks this uh, elderly, what problem you have? So I mean, it's hard to do maybe once in a while. So this is a great way for, um, you know, the government to hear about the needs of the people. And second item on this session. This live session was about education, right? The, mm. the distribution of educational resources. I mean, like different, I, I suppose, different uh, sections of the city would have uh, different levels of educational resources. Like in Beijing, you know, parents, they know about uh, where are the best public schools or the, where are the 
uh, best private schools and they some people will mm. fight to get in one of these schools because they are supposed to have mm. greater resources you mean physically fight or just like probably physically <laughs> fight too <laughs> who knows yeah, that mean yeah. the same happens in the united states where people when their kids are becoming of certain ages they will move their address uh. so that their address is linked to a certain school district because they know that school district has more money right. and better facilities so i think that this problem exists in many countries around the world one of the policies i remember i vaguely remember from last year was it the yeah i think it was last year was that they uh, here in beijing in certain parts they started trying this um rotation of the better teachers so that the best uh teachers they don't just stay in one yeah. school because if that's the case that uh, you know a lot of people they will do whatever they can to get their kids into that school but if there's a rotation system like that these teachers are in this school for a few years and then they are uh, these really good teachers the star teachers yeah and but they move to another part of the city for for a few years then it's it's probably i guess not worth it to um to fight so I hard i wonder to, hmm? what it feels like when they say for two different examples and I, i'm just being humorous here a little bit they say oh wow baby you are a star a plus teacher and then they say, well, Jason, you're a B minus teacher. So every couple of years, you guys have to swap classrooms. So not everyone has to suffer under Jason. Well, you know, like, <laughs> see this B plus or A plus teacher, there is a standard of evaluating them. And mm. um, in the public school system, you have grades, right? How many people of your class got into like uh, certain universities? Oh, or... yeah, I see. So they use actual like performance. Yeah. Metrics. Like what's your um, like something like Gaokao score? Right. Yeah, yeah. For your class. So um, it's, it gets easier to, to evaluate. Can I mention something while we're on the topic really quick? I think a lot of people in the West don't know this. It's something I learned inside China. There are a lot of reasons that people can get higher scores because they live in a very low income part of the country or a rural part of the country, hmm. or they're a member of certain ethnic minor minorities, they get kicker, they get extra points mm. added to their score to help them the, into better universities. Right. Because if that's not done, then kids from resource-rich areas like provinces or cities, they will all go to these greater universities here in China. Mm. So yeah, it's uh, it's for equality reasons. Mm. Here is another point I see when it comes to education. Uh, this particular city, Foshan, it's a big manufacturing city. So so besides just basic education, they need better vocational schools. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so this uh, citizen, when they called in, they were talking about how to improve mm -hmm. the vocational schools and how to improve the reputation of vocational schools. Because, you know, still nowadays, people think of, mm -hmm. you know, if you say your kid is in this vocational school, like to mm -hmm. become a technician for this or that, or one popular career is driving, what do you call it? Like the diggers? What do you call those like mm -hmm. construction sites? When you see those huge machinery, what do you call them? Them. Like kids love them. Oh wow! Caterpillars. Yeah, kids love them. What do you Actually, call them? they have them at, out at the. Uh, oh. That's I think that's one company. Maybe I'm not sure. Heavy machinery. But I, actually, I don't know much about that. But I think you, in Amer in the United States, how it works, you have to get different licenses to operate. Oh, definitely. Machines. Like you have to be trained. It's it's um. So there are particular schools that you can go to for these uh, technical skills. But mm. people have some general, I guess, prejudice, right? When it comes to the vocational schools here in China, at least. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, people's impression is that, oh, you probably, your your scores, uh, your study wasn't good enough to get into a regular high school or regular, uh, like, tertiary school, like, a, you know, university. Mm -hmm. And that's why, that's why you went to vocational school. So there's this kind of, you know, discrimination. But this uh, deputy suggestion yeah. is that 
they will try to, first of all, improve the uh, quality of these vocational schools yeah. because the country needs more technical skills. I think just as you mentioned um, in the U.S., I think we have enough college graduates here in the country, mm-hmm. but we don't have enough tech, like people with technical skills mm-hmm. and expertise mm-hmm. for um, for the for different industries. Yeah. So actually, these vocational schools will be very popular, but how to like bridge um you know how to bring the kids from junior high or high school graduate train them for different jobs i think we can learn from from germany i think they do a better job of this integrated education and practical skills so that's another thing that people mm-hmm. called in to talk about and other examples like uh mm-hmm. employment right for this for this particular city, yeah. uh, the citizens re- reported that because they have industries in ceramics, in furniture, and in building like uh, windows and things like that, they need uh, more mm-hmm. uh, workers and skilled workers. So they were asking if the city could hold more, uh, what do you call it? like a like a HR um, conferences. Or skilled people's mm-hmm. like a market, like a job market, Tra- like training courses, uh, labor oh, market, like job, market. job, job market. Fairs. exactly, job fairs, job fairs. Right, right. Job fairs. so that yeah. they can better connect uh, people with these skills or mm. the willingness to do work in these fields with um, companies mm. and factories that are hiring. So these are really practical points, you know, like these points that they you really up. bring up some really interesting things. A lot of the job fairs in the United mm. States that I have been to and seen are oftentimes for the highest end investment banking sorts of jobs. So like, you know, IT people, investment banking, that kind of thing. You really bring up a really interesting point. This criticism or constructive criticism here in China would actually be really useful in the United States, where they're having a hard time finding people with the blue collar skills that are mm. required for certain industries. Mm. We should all we in the United States should also be having job fairs for, you know, regular workers who need to find a new employment and also to find connect them with interested applicants who want to develop those kinds of careers. Right. Speaking of special groups, employment for special groups, I remember seeing, oh, this is not for the city. This is like for the national level. Um, another suggestion, another problem was how to create employment for retired professional what? athletes. <laughs> so these things get pretty specific. Okay, so for uh, the national two sessions... Uh, for improving people's well-being, mm-hmm. some of the key suggestions. Well-being, and one of them, yeah, and one of them regarding you know what to do with retired professional athletes. Mm. And some people suggested that you know teaching in sports schools is uh, a pretty good option. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they we also want a better uh, physical education for for kids, yeah. you know, from elementary school all the way to to universities. And uh, but how to make it, uh, how to make the whole process smoother. I mean, for professional athletes here in China, the system is different. A lot of the professional athletes, they are in like national teams because mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. that in the West, a lot of these it's all like market based. Right. These are uh, private teams. It's kind of private. I mean, a lo- there's a lot of private, but they're all. Also, investments from cities in different private enterprises. So, like, mm. uh, a city will want to draw a particular brand to their city. So, the city itself will take a share of the brand that's coming in in exchange for the construction of a new stadium. So, huh. it's private 
public a little bit. Okay. But you're right. Most mostly it's private. Yeah, I think um, I, there's some sort of mixture of private and public. But like these professional, I know that they are um, like sports schools. Mm -hmm. And then there are national sports teams, provincial sports teams. And I think these are like government sponsored. Mm -hmm. I don't know uh, the details, but that's my impression. So it can the suggestion can be very specific. Another example from um, this is the national level. And I was when I read this, I was like, what? <laughs> it's about dental implants. What? Well, okay, you know, suggestions. That's an issue in the, in the States, too. Really? Yeah, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. In the United States, um, under Obama, in, there was an increase in the amount of people covered by uh, health care. And that has continued on until today, where there's, mm. there's a few, a smaller fewer and fewer people are not insured. So there are more and more people who are insured. Mm -hmm. But one of the things with these affordable insurance packages that doesn't usually come mm. almost almost ever is dental care. It's so expensive. So there are a lot of people. Uh, yeah, it's, it, things are so ridiculously expensive to get done mm. in the United States. Mm -hmm. I, I came out here and I, I there were things that I had avoided doing. And I was as soon as I got here, I was like, fix this, fix that. <laughs> it was so much more affordable. Fix and my suddenly I'm like, cavities. <laughs> yeah, can, can you please fix all of these things? And they're like, yeah, no problem. It's going to be this much. $5. Like, what? It wasn't cheap, mm. but it certainly was more affordable than it was right. in the United States. So this is an issue that comes up. See, in the regular dental works, um, they're, they can be very affordable here in China. It really depends on where you go, right? Mm. If you go to like these fancier private practices, they mm -hmm. can be a lot more expensive. Mm. But I think dental implants, um, they, they, they're not not cheap anywhere. Mm -hmm. And one problem with dental implants in China is that a lot of this materials used to make, let's say, the crown, mm -hmm. like a fake crown, mm -hmm. teeth, teeth crown, they mostly are imported. Mm -hmm. So this suggestion is to um, pay more attention to maybe domestic manufacturing of wow. like dental implant materials. Very specific. And so that we don't have to <laughs> depend so much right, on import. And also they suggest that you can uh, dental implant becomes part of uh, insurance package hmm. because for I guess dental works has never been. Well, there's also two kinds of dental. There's like cosmetic. Do, are you doing it? Yeah, cosmetic. Are you doing it to look prettier, or are you doing it because without this particular tooth, mm. you might not be able to chew? <laughs> so this is clearly like some of it's right. necessary, and some of it's just like I want to look my best. You know, out of your own pocket. <laughs> but anyhow, <laughs> so uh, here I'm just giving a little more example of uh, what are some of the suggestions that the deputies would bring right to the two sessions. For example, on the national level, taking care of the elderly, one of the deputies suggested that, you know, people get two days off per month to visit their parents. Now, this, this is wow. very, very specific. Is this a provincial thing or I'm talking national? about the national level. Like, this is well probably wow. brought to the great hall of the people. Wait a minute. If my parents live in America, does that mean I, st <laughs> I still want my days off, baby? If you get two days off. I want two days off. That, that would be a, a bit hard, right? You will be like meeting in airports <laughs> and saying goodbye the next day. Um, but anyhow, the goal is to create a more friendly society for elderly people. This is a newer problem for China. Oh. Um, but how 
One suggestion, of course, is that for, you know, people to have more time to spend with their parents. Another suggestion, another bunch of suggestions is regarding holidays here in China. Uh, For example, the spring festival holiday and also like the bigger ones, right? You know how everywhere it gets so congested because all of a sudden, like over a billion people are off work mm-hmm. <laughs> and they have to fight for these transportation resources, right? Mm-hmm. All in those two weeks. Mm-hmm. So some deputies are suggesting, can we do things a little differently now? Like a staggered Chinese New Year holiday? Ch- yeah. Or just, you know, break them up a little bit. Yeah. Or, and also because on the first day and the last day of these like major national holidays, the highways are free. Do you know about that? Uh, you, oh, you I mean cost the cost like you don't pay tolls no i didn't know that for for example like first day of uh labor day september Mm. no october 1st here in china if you go on highway that's when people start traveling Mm. the first day um you don't pay for the toll Mm. Uh, no actually not just the first day the whole thing i think the whole Mm. seven days Mm -hmm. so it's it's cheaper for people to travel um but the problem is it concentrates everybody yeah yeah everybody comes out on the highway and at these all these uh sites that people have to see they feel like they have to see so one deputy member suggested that can we you know stagger things a little Mm, bit mm. right so they they have the time for holiday but we don't want to be you know stuck at the top of a mountain because there's so many people here on this particular (laughs) well i've had that experience (laughs) yeah i bet it wasn't really fun no i I mean i was just like okay well i get to hang out with the buddhist temple longer (laughs) okay with like ten thousand other people and so you know very specific uh suggestions Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh another one concerns uh, integrating preschool, like nursery school, into the free and compulsory education span. This comes up in the United States all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah. Because I think it's a it's a difficult it's a difficult problem. Nursery can be very expensive yeah. in the U.S. and with inflation and all. I mean, remember last year we were talking about how fees for nurseries, like preschools. Uh, were rising so fast that some of these uh, nurseries just couldn't do it anymore. And imagine, you know, what parents have to do. Probably one of the parents would just have to stop working, right, to take care of their kids. So this particular suggestion, this deputy is from Guangdong province. Mm -hmm. They say to make it easier for couples to raise their kids and to have more kids, they suggest that, because right now the free and compulsory education is in China is from the first grade to the ninth i think so it's for nine years mm. so if he's suggesting if we can add three more years you yeah. know from like three to six uh to this segment so people have mm-hmm. to can worry less and also their suggestion i heard another person talking about this recently and they were thinking that it might become that china is possibly going to move towards a more german type system regarding where the last two years Regarding high school itself, so that instead of Mm -hmm. everyone trying to get into high school, there'll be more Mm -hmm. vocational schools so that they can go to a high school like Mm. environment, which is very similar to high school. But this particular high school is less geared towards going towards university and more geared towards developing trade skills. Right. That makes a lot of sense, actually, because if you go through like the Chinese style education all the way from high school um, to college. College. It's very like, you know, 
book centered. Mm-hmm. You sit there and study, and uh, that's mainly what. You- yeah, learning right. math decathlons and all these stuff. Maybe you don't need calculus if you're going to be, you know, right or like a, more like physical kind or um, specific expertise regarding a certain industry. Yeah. So I mean, in Germany, a lot of these I, I heard high school they're connected to a local factory or a local some kind of workplace, mm-hmm. so they can actually spend part of the time going into the factory to observe and to learn specific skills and when they graduate from high school they can go directly to the to the factory you're talking about german yeah I'm, this is yeah german yeah 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 yeah. So, I've, I've heard the same thing even banking hmm. so you might be wanting to go into banking and you don't need you know as much of these other courses like history and things right so you take slightly less of that and you spend more of your time at a bank and then you graduate high school just like you said mm-hmm. and then the bank has a place for you because they're already familiar with you they've already been kind of training you they right. you already know what is expected of at the job. Exactly. And also it gives, you know, kids, younger kids, a sense of um, sense of safety. You know, they there won't be a gap where they wonder, what will I do? Or, you know, spend like half a year just haunting for a job. Mm. So that's another part. Other things, there mm. are a lot of suggestions regarding protection of like women's rights, it, especially now the whole society is, you know, is all about let's have more kids, right? Mm. Our population is aging, but it doesn't work just shouting out slogans Mm -hmm. you know you Mm -hmm. can't force yeah people are not gonna you know answer to that call have more babies i'll have more babies (laughs) and who is gonna take care of them right so um there needs to be specific methods like of for example take how to take care of these babies if i do have one um one of the deputies and, and i'm sure more than this one deputy um have suggested maybe we can have more nursery services within the workplace which which i think makes a lot of sense imagine that you go to work and you can just take your kids hmm. like in the same car i love that and idea. you go at the same time and drop them off like literally dump them somewhere on the first floor yeah drop them off or maybe not <laughs> hey even during because, lunch you could go say hi to them they will be on your watch after six sure baby so, okay yeah i remember when, when my daughter was little i wouldn't leave work until it was absolutely after six <laughs> it was like mm. even if it was like i won't go home early even by one minute <laughs> so anyhow but wow. still if there is like a safe, um, affordable place within the uh, like your downway or your workplace, I think so many people would mm-hmm. have so much more energy that they can devote to work yeah. instead of uh, you know. And a lot of more people would want to enter the workforce. Exactly, that would be such a huge perk. Uh, I actually wa- wonder why a lot of these bigger like companies wouldn't do that. I mean, it shouldn't be that expensive. I'm willing to pay even a little mm-hmm. bit more than um, like the average market price if I can. You know, if my kid is just down stairs on the first floor playing with other kids and I know that she and he is safe right there and I can just pick him up right after work. Yeah, if there's something happens that you have the proximity, they say, oh, they have an allergic reaction. You're like five minutes away. You're like right there. Exactly. So that's something that's totally feasible. Um, And also he suggested tax deduction for people who have, you know, young child at home. Mm. And I guess if you have more than more tax deduction. But now the thing is, young people, they're so reluctant to have more kids. Even like bribes, money, monetary bribes are not working. (laughs) You have to make child raising 
making much much easier mm. physically for people to be willing to have more kids mm. um like easier to find nannies and cheaper services you know for nannies i, I was actually speaking like with a, a lady just about this exact thing mm -hmm. a chinese lady and she felt very strongly that it is for her mm -hmm. about the education system that about having more children is ch very challenging due to the concern about which school district you're going to be into are they going to make it into this kind of school are they how much is that going to cost for extra mm. extra classes even even with the double reduction policy that went into effect a couple of years ago mm -hmm. there's the com competition in major first tier and second tier cities is apparently huh. very intense and so this is a huge source of stress for oh. this lady so this particular deputy suggested that laws should um, forbid the capitalization of um, like nursery services, something like that. I'm doing like a direct translation in my mind. Basically, it's asking to keep capitalization away from the stock market, right? Let's not make Treat daycare nursery a services a way of making money. Yeah. yeah, mainly for a way to provide services for the people. Yeah, competition. And to make it safe um, and affordable. Yeah, because, you know, maybe mm. uh, privatizing everything you know, put in all the companies on the stock market will make it more efficient. But more efficient doesn't always mean it's the best outcome, the best outcome Baby, for the people. Could I make my own suggestion right here? Sure, please. I think it's possible that they could have a combination of both mm -hmm. where you could have people who are able to get licenses to open daycare, mm. but that there would be caps for uh, the cost that you would be able to offer uh, for how many ever students you have, mm. there would be a cap for the cost that you could charge mm. so that you could still have many people say, I'm capable of entering into this. I want to open my own uh, facility. So it's like the capitalism in that it encourages people to participate, mm -hmm. but that there would be national standards for cost and quality right, right. so that you would have to not only meet a certain quality of uh, daycare, but also not be able to, there would be a ceiling for what you could charge. Mm -hmm. I think you just pretty much read the suggestion in English. <laughs> Um, <laughs> because I, thought, I thought their suggestion was the state runs daycare. No, 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 so no. It's it's um to make sure that the like nursery service, preschool services doesn't become just a machine for money making. Yeah. Like um how you know policy the policies last year from regarding after school uh, classes, right? Mm -hmm. It was it happened so capitalized that it became a way for a lot of people just to make money. Uh, in the process, they create a lot of anxiety and competition, you know, between parents mm -hmm. and also students. Can I actually add to that for a second? I can't say which company, but I know of a company during that period of time. Their strategy was to raise the price point so high that mm. people would be forced to pay for the uh, brand quality. Mm. They were essentially trying to become like the Gucci or Prada huh. of uh, English services mm. by simply raising the price to encourage wealthier uh, patrons mm -hmm. to compete for the privilege of being able to pay that price. Mm, I see. I, and that will work. If it's put in it place. It does. It, it, it works splendidly. Yeah. I mean, I think here in China, um, it's commonly agreed that certain fields should stay away from the capital market. Like, um, for example, healthcare, mm. right? And education and things, you know, that that's crucial for everybody's well-being. Oh, yeah.
listening to the bridge. And another example that I thought I wouldn't think of uh, was about cyber violence. Cyber violence. So another. So online bullying. Exactly. I wanted to offer some suggestions really quickly because a lot of other countries have already handled this to some extent. Mm. I think it might be also also the same way here in China. Like it's called real name verification. Mm. So if you're going to have a personality online, you need to have verified your real identity. So if there's some if something happens. Mm-hmm. Then the author- proper authorities can are able to track you down. To nail you. So, for example, <laughs> you push someone really hard, mm. and then they hurt themselves. Uh. You convince a 14 year old girl that she's a terrible person and that she's ugly and she attempts to hurt herself mm. then the the author- proper authorities will be able to find you mm. and say wow what did you you did this you are now responsible for the actions that this 14 year old girl took mm-hmm. and so I, I think in in south korea this is already a law so mm. i i personally like this idea i want my own nation the united states to have more of this because i think we could reduce cyberbullying and trolling mm. which is oftentimes called trolling considerably if people had to basically be themselves online. Right. So this uh, this deputy representative, he's all, you know, he's suggesting that we have more complete and special specialized legislation when it comes to punishment for um, people who are, you know, have been doing cyberbullying mm. to make them more responsible. And speaking mm. of um, making people feel bad about themselves. And um, here is another suggestion regarding plastic surgery. Wow. So as you can see, these are all over the place, right? Concerns that um, a lot of us would not ever think of, but they're real concerns for certain groups of people. And this particular suggestion um, is targeting plastic surgery for like underaged, what do you call it? Like people who are not adults yet. I, I think underage. Right, yeah. people who are under yeah, 18. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, it's... Uh, because this deputy says because plastic surgery is an emerging industry, but it's at the same time it's been a booming industry mm. um, here in China. But the laws are not as complete, so he's calling for improvement in related laws and specifically to make it illegal for kids under eighteen to have like unnecessary plastic surgery just for better looks. Things like that. I'm just doing a really rough trans. I would take it. These are all really great ideas. I'm actually, this has been one of the most, we're ha- we have to wind it up, mm. but this has been one of the most interesting um, topics we've done because I'm absolutely fascinated all of these ideas. Mm-hmm. I also think in addition to limiting the underage or juvenile like access to uh Plastic changing someone's features cosmetically. I think this, it should be illegal to advertise these kinds of exactly. children as well. You're reading. They shouldn't even be aware <laughs> that that's an option. Like, oh, being able to change your nose shouldn't be something introduced to a child. Right. See here, you know, the second half of this suggestion is regarding advertisements for plastic surgery. Mm. He's this deputy's advocating to standardize advertisements, at least more have more regulations for mm. such advertisements so that the, its effects won't be over, like, enlarged, mm. right? Mm. And also mm. not to be advocated as much. Because, you know, think about the uh, cyber environment these days. All these mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. cyber celebrities, they call it, they call them, they look pretty much the same, right? It's like... A lot of that's, like, digital effects, too. Right, exactly. And the, also, a lot of them are obviously have, have had 
had plastic surgery.、Mm. And it's giving younger people the impression that you have to look like this to be successful online. It's terrifying. Right.、Concept. And then, right. Imagine the support. That these cosmetic, like what do you call it, these hospitals or、uh, places that give plastic surgeries, how much they can devote to encouraging、mm. a younger people to have plastic surgery. So,、um, so I mean, this was like. Ooh, I think we are、scary. already over time. I'm gonna have to say. Oh, okay. We're gonna try to do another episode about two sessions, and a lot of these ideas save them for next time, baby, because this is a、okay. huge topic. I'd love to cover again. Right, and I think、um, as the two sessions,、uh, we will. Hear more from the deputies and the things that people care about, and it's quite interesting、um, because there's just so much to cover. Well, hopefully、Absolutely. we can do a better job next time. Well, thank you, Jason. <laughs> thank you for your patience. Thank you, baby. Yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Bye.